0: Welcome back to Eye to Eye, the Digital Renaissance Podcast. I'm your host, Percy Hornack, and this week I'm here with an interview with Vinny Mraz, one of the lead artists making work eye to eye with children within the Digital Renaissance Project. He created Social Mirror, one of our first multi-week projects, and we chatted about his process and his experience doing puppetry digitally. Let's dive in. So to get us started, I would love if you could tell us about yourself and the work that you do both generally and also specifically with the Digital Renaissance Project.
1: Yeah. So a little bit about myself. I'm an interdisciplinary artist. And so that's just the fancy way of saying I do a lot of different stuff and kind of allow my myself to sort of go wherever I'm, you know, sort of interested in making work right now. It's been a lot of puppetry work but I, in the past I've made solo performance shows I've written plays that have been performed my work tends to go I guess a little bit more on like the non linear or absurdist kind of style I'm really inspired by like the surrealist the absurdist and and people working in in less traditional sort of like writing a play with a couch in a living room and people talking about problems that they have I've written some of those plays and and I certainly like to read and watch those plays but my work is a little bit more on the Exploring like the boundaries of theater. <clears throat> with Digital Renaissance Project, it's been Social Mirror was the was the title of the piece. And originally it was going to be a play with puppets that would have been performed at the Playhouse up in New Hampshire. And when it got moved onto Zoom, it morphed into, you know, it was a similar idea, but I think I leaned a little bit more heavily on it being like the, the sort of format of, of this technology. And so I, I went back from the original draft that I had written and just we sort of started from square one and it was an exploration through puppetry and through human actors of what it means to form your own identity via social media platforms. So like how do we create versions of ourselves on social media?
0: I'm curious about just in your discussions with the cast about that central question, if you sort of all came to any conclusions about that or what the conclusions of the piece were in exploring that central question.
1: Yeah, it was interesting because a lot of them weren't, they were a little bit younger, so a lot of them weren't yet on social media. Although I I threw it out to say like, if you watch YouTube, you're on social media. If you're engaging in Zoom, you're on social media. So you are in a way on it. And then through that, we, I asked them like, what, what is your sort of superpower? And, uh, that came out through characters of like, if I could do, if my internet version of myself could be, you know, any sort of version of me or the best quality of me, what would that be? And we had characters who were very knowledgeable, who knew a lot of things, characters who were advocates for like about sharks. So like global issues, global warming and nature, And I think what I found was that these were, social media is kind of like a echo of ourselves in some way. It's a heightened version of ourselves. And all of those things that we put out there are things that we already have inside of us, but sometimes social media or a screen or a keyboard, whatever it is, allows us to a little bit more of that than maybe we always are in real life. I don't know if I made any specific conclusions. I am I still have kind of a, a thorny relationship with social media. I'm only on Instagram, although I guess I have a website and I use Zoom and YouTube and all that. So I don't know if that is as immediate, but I was on it for a long time and I was thinking about, like I, I used to have a live journal and I was trying to track that down to see like, could I find what teenage, middle school me was worried about and, and like this living doc I still haven't found it, but I'm searching for it. I think I don't know that I have any conclusions other than It's just like everything else where it's not like a black and white issue that it's very there is You you can get out of social media. What brings you to it you can find if you're going there to pick fights with people and you know be sort of an internet troll then you can do that. If you're using it as a form of advocacy or to educate yourself, you can do that. So I think it's my biggest conclusion is just like, it is, it is what we make it because we are people. And that is what social media is supposed to be about is like, it's just a different way of connecting with people. So I think that was my biggest takeaway is, you know, this, this, if I brought any bias to this project, it was like, social media is can be really a drain. And, you know, it frustrates me and seeing how much of what the cast put forward through their puppets was really positive stuff it's like oh yeah right I'm sort of discounting all the the really good things that can come out of this
0: Mm -hmm. and I'm curious speaking as a fellow like multidisciplinary artist what because you played a lot of roles in this in this project it seems I'm just curious about what that's like in rehearsal wearing all of those hats and interacting with the cast all at the same time
1: I think it requires a lot of trust of them. And so I build time into it just to get to know them, for them to get to know me a little bit, and also to not rush to a product because especially when we made the transition and we knew that digital renaissance project was going to be the sort of new exciting frontier to embark on. I, I didn't throw the project away, but I definitely started over in a lot of ways because I wanted to really take to heart what Jared had been speaking about, which was like, I don't want to just put a play on Zoom. I don't want to just have people on Zoom, but we're kind of just doing the play as we would have, or like, if only it Weren't for Zoom we could be doing this and really investigate like what could we make together in this virtual space. And so I think it requires trust. I think it also requires me to sort of stay focused because I'll be in those sort of introductory writing exercises or character exploration. And that little voice in the back of my head is like, but you have to make something or, or what time is it? How much, how many more rehearsals do you have? So there's like that director hat that's like, do it, rehearse it, get to rehearsal. And then there's the um, sort of like explorer side of me. That's like, it's okay. We can stay in this space a little bit longer and discover it. And so I think it is kind of like hearing those voices that come forward and say, okay, take the next step and knowing when to quiet them and when it's my anxiety speaking and saying you have to deliver something and when it's an instinct that's saying I think we have enough let's let's start to build it's really it's kind of like being in dialogue with yourself I think
0: it's a really good way of putting it because I've never found a good way to quantify that balance of yeah like when is it valid and when is it just when is it just fine
1: I don't know that I found it either I think it's, (laughs) it's you know project to project it's kind of like how do I feel today Uh, I feel like we need to move forward. Okay, great. I'll honor that instinct. And, you know, sometimes it can be the right choice. I'm a big believer in just making a choice first. And, you know, it's not heart surgery. It's just theater. So it's okay if we make a mistake or if we feel like, oh, yeah, we moved in a difficult direction. And I told my cast, like, puppetry. So you'll build, like, 90% and then you'll only use the 10% of what you've made. But you have to kind of build it first and see. and then. Within that, you find like the nugget of the thing like, oh, yeah, right. That's what we wanted to do.
0: Mm -hmm. I'm curious about how puppetry specifically manifests digitally, because I feel like puppetry is such an analog thing when I think about it. So I'm just curious about how that worked over Zoom.
1: Yeah, we had I had really um, I was very blessed with my collaborators of Andres and Taylor because they were my tech wizards they really knew how to take all of the low tech stuff and the the tagline i kept saying to them was a low tech puppet show in a high tech puppet world and i really wanted to find the ways of using socks using cardboard using trash that we have to build and then finding the way to blend it into this world and so they really helped me and did so much of the heavy lifting of manipulating the screens manipulating puppets and creating like almost puppeteering zoom as another character in the play And we talked a lot about how this screen can flatten us all. You know, we are kind of two-dimensional in this. And so projecting that puppet like into that space, since it already is analog, by putting it on camera, putting it in the space, we're kind of putting, we're putting it like within a box in some way and then exploring, okay, it's 2D in some ways, but also like what are all the different directions of the screen that we can play with? How do we play with dimensions and how far away or close a puppet is to the screen? It became kind of like film acting or like, you know, an acting for the camera sort of style thing. We did a lot of (laughs) like my brain melting down of like, wait, but if you're, if this is your hand over here and then you have to face right, is that your right? And then is your screen mirrored? So there's just a lot of like translation that we had to do. And, you know, I think it was, I think it was really exciting to find like to to realize that it was all possible because I don't think I not that I ever thought it was impossible but there definitely was part of me that was like oh my god what are we gonna do and we did it so I think that was the most exciting thing to see it all come together
0: yeah and I find it the thing I like about working with Indies is that it is so process oriented that there is sort of like a it's okay to embark on a thing that doesn't seem like you don't know how you're gonna quite do it because it's about that discovery as opposed to a polished, you know, puppetry piece that you put on the internet or
1: whatever. Most of the time that I work like this, I feel like I'm going to throw up every time I start a show. (laughs) It's just like, oh, I have no idea what we're going to do. And, you know, each time I sort of learn to trust myself, to trust my collaborators a little bit more, because it is, it is like walking on a tightrope. And if nothing else, it's like, it's okay to not have those answers because inevitably things happen. We have so many, you know, when you have a room full of people, everyone has so many perspectives, so many stories, so many ideas that we're, it's not, we're not shy of concepts or ideas. It's just then the execution of it. Okay. Like, all right, how do we take that idea now and actually make something out of it?
0: Mm -hmm. In terms of doing theater digitally, I'm curious about what opportunities you see in doing work digitally. Like you mentioned being able to puppeteer the Zoom windows, and I'm curious if there are any other things that you found that are like a cool new opportunity. And I'm also curious about what the challenges of working this way are that you found.
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah, I'm starting to think about, I'm continuing to work on this piece as uh, I'm really leaning more into like the cranky side of things and shadow puppetry and toy theater, because this screen already feels like a really nice environment for toy theaters in some way when you go to see a toy theater show in real life it is so small that this is kind of like the beauty of getting a camera up up in that space so you can see all those really fun details and you can see all the you know there's a company great small works and they've been doing these digital festivals and just the amount of stuff that you can see that i don't know that you necessarily see it in person if you were in a theater space that i feel like that's really exciting uh, i'm really curious to explore more of that like playing with scale playing with how we build out little models of things and and you know in in a virtual space make play with play with all these different perspectives and and really you know we get so used to seeing a bunch of heads on a screen that there's so many other things we can do with it i've also been playing around with it never made it into social mirror but i built a few sort of like camera masks that you could put it over your camera and it would look like you were from the inside of a shark's mouth and like you were being eaten by a shark, or this mask that went across the camera and kind of looked as if you were sitting on a subway and you were pulling into the station and you saw all the columns sort of whizzing by you out the window. And so I'm wanting to play more with that too. Of uh, how do we make the camera that as the audience? How do we put that camera, even though it's not moving obviously? How do we put the audience into a different perspective? Now you're inside the belly of a shark. Now you're inside of the subway. And I think there's a really sort of fun like. It's almost cartoon. It's almost animation way that we can play with, you know, instead of just a virtual background, how do you really manipulate the camera itself to to create it? I think the challenges are just that, just we're, you know, Zoom fatigue is real. And finding a way to get someone to want to log back on. And I don't know if this is true, because I know I've been logging into a lot of workshops and some shows, not a whole lot of shows but i am sort of hungry for like i need something else besides you know hours and hours of netflix and and a hot glue gun by myself in my apartment so i think my worry is that we'll get so either people will start to become disheartened by it because already people are saying like well zoom theater is not real theater and there's people saying that it's not a replacement which you know it's not but it's a brand new it's something else it's kind of like defies being categorized as film or theater i think and so i think the challenge is just keeping people interested and and finding ways for yourself as the maker too to stay interested because I know after you know one one zoom play of a bunch of actors faces in the squares it's like okay and now what else what else can we do it was a great play but visually I'm sort of you know I feel like I'm in a meeting so I don't want to feel like I'm in a meeting every time I see see whatever art I'm seeing yeah
0: totally I think it's a really good point about it being its own thing and I'm hopeful that even though like now this is the way that we have to do things, we will continue as an industry to invest in figuring out cool things to do with this medium because I think it's so much more accessible in a lot of ways and it would be cool to have this option instead of Netflix even when I could also like go in person to see a play.
1: (laughs) I had someone, an old teacher I really respect, who was sort of upset by a lot of the stuff that was being offered. And I think feeling like, well, it's going to be, I don't know, whether it was like putting archives online for people to watch or all these events being free, I think he felt like it was sort of a turning point that like, why would you ever go back to the theater if you could see this stuff online? And I, I think I agree with you that you would go back because it's not the same thing as being online. Eventually, I'd like to go sit in a room and experience live theater again. But there is also this really wonderful, you know, I don't want to say it's equitable because certainly there's all sorts of barriers of, you know, internet access and who can get online to even see these things. But there was, it feels like there was a new level of access that was uncovered, even if it wasn't perfect and it meant that everyone could see it. It meant that at least more people could see it because, you know, living in New York City, I'm surrounded by theater, but I can't always afford to go and see it or I have to like fight rush lines or... Hope I get a lottery to see it. And it's like, it's right in my backyard, but the access isn't always there. So this platform, I think, has given more access. Definitely, you know, we could always do better. But at the very least, it feels like, oh, I didn't get to see the Danielle Brooks production of Shakespeare in the Park. That was, I think it was much ado, right? Not as, yeah. you, like, I always confuse them.
0: Yeah, it was much ado. Um,
1: but how great, now I get to see it. And, you know, it's filmed really well and, and was a remarkable production that I totally missed. And now I get to see it.
0: And even just as an artist, being able to work with artists in Boston and artists in California and, and, you know, like getting access to people that I probably wouldn't have gotten to work with. And I think also like theaters that don't necessarily have a lot of means, like I came up in like the New York indie scene and we don't have any money at all that we can, you know, we can do this just as easily as anybody else can. And that's really exciting too, is I think there is some leveling of the playing field, like within, like within the field as well, which is exciting.
1: Yeah, the amount of times the amount of time spent on a subway hauling your stuff from your apartment to the theater, it's kind of like, oh, okay, I can build it here and we'll do the show here. I think the one thing I'm still trying to figure out in this new world is like, all right, I still need to be able to pay my friends, though, who I inevitably rope into making work with me. Like, I still would like for all of us to be able to pay our bills and to make theater. And that this has provided a new level of access, but still hasn't solved that problem. Like, okay, great, I've got funds now, too.
0: Yeah, totally. Yeah, moving forward a little bit, I'm curious about if you have future plans to apply like what you've learned in the Social Mirror process to other projects within the digital renaissance.
1: Yeah, I'm thinking more about, um, I did two cranky workshops after Social Mirror was done, where we got to dig into it a little bit further. We started to build them during our two-week process, but I sort of came to the realization that they needed, they almost needed like their own separate time they are deceptively simple in that like there's a lot of finicky stuff that that has to go into them in order to make them work smoothly so we you know those were one of the 90 percent that we jettisoned and then the only one that remained was the one that I had been working on and I'm
0: explaining uh, what one is just for people who don't know Oh
1: yeah so I explained it in my the the sort of like about for the workshop as Mm. I think I called it a flip book, an analog film, and a cartoon strip all rolled into one, where it's basically just a, a toy theater, a little box. Think of like a diorama with a frame around it. And then you have a scroll that sits on two sides, like a cassette tape, and you just scroll your piece of paper, or I've made them with felt. I'm experimenting with parchment paper now. And it scrolls all to one side. And as you're doing it, you're watching, it could be painted backdrops, it could be characters, it could be text, whatever you want to put on there. I like to play with then having puppets in front, behind, shadow puppetry. But it's at its simplest, it's basically a scroll of paper that you watch scroll from one direction to the next. So I want to keep exploring that. I don't have any definite plans for the digital renaissance at this point. I, I want to, I'm really curious to see, I'm doing a little bit of experimentation on my own first and then maybe bringing it back to the project and saying, okay, great, I've got, now. now let's take those crankies and let's do this with it.
0: I have one more question, which is, sure. I know you have a, like a history with with Andes, somewhat, and I'm curious if there's anything in particular that you that you like about working with Andes, or anything that brings you back.
1: Yeah, at this point, this is my second summer, and so <laughs> to have one summer, I was like, "Oh, great, this is what this place is," and then the next summer, I'd be like, "And now it's totally different." Has been really exciting to see just how they've changed and adapted and ridden the wave of this pandemic. Last summer, I arrived on a Sunday. I think they had just finished producing two shows. Everyone was very tired and taking a much much needed day off, and so I was met. I think Raven Bartlett met me there and gave me my room key to get into where I was staying. And uh, I didn't see anyone else for the rest of that day. And then Monday, I think I wandered over to the church and was like, "Hey, so I'm here to do this workshop." And it was like a very interesting start. I'd just come from another theater company in upstate New York, and I was like surrounded by people and then to go to Andy's, which my, my meeting there was very quiet. And it was almost like, Oh, this is really sort of a nice moment to just pause, reflect, and gear up for this next thing. And the energy was just totally different. And I think that was really, (laughs) as an artist, I was like, no one's, Anyone checking in? Like, am I doing? Am I doing okay? And it was just this freedom of we brought you here for a reason. You've told us what your intentions are to you know what kind of work you want to make. Now go and do it. And it felt almost it it felt unlike any other theater I had worked with before, and especially children's theater. I worked with the the Chicago Children's Theater for a little bit when I lived out there, which is a wonderful organization, but it's just a, a much different vibe to it. And Andy's just felt like. I think it's what makes all of the kids that come there too to be so such like driven and just uh, really everyone picked up everything I was throwing at them so quickly. It's like, oh, I got to up my game because they're coming in with this level of like, yeah, we got it. We know what we're doing. And I think it is there. There's not any coddling that happens. There's not any like handholding. It's, it's just artists working with people younger than them. And I think that was the most exciting thing for me was the freedom to say hey do you want to do this great go and do it experiment try it out there was it It, it wasn't like someone breathing down your neck the whole time to say uh-uh that's not what you said you were going to work on and that to me mirrors what people who leave andy's and go to work in you know as a professional artist in some way can expect because certainly there are you might find yourself in a situation where you do have very hands-on producers directors whatever but you know, as a working artist, I think there's a lot of just like figure it out and do it and make it, and I think that's a wonderful education to say the only thing standing in your way as a maker is yourself, and so follow it, follow your impulse, do what you want to do. So that's what keeps me coming back. It feels like it's just a very unique place.
0: I think we probably just missed each other last summer then, because I did the second of the two back to back shows, and can- you might have
1: you might have been sleeping for the rest of the summer after what sounded like a very busy, busy season. By the time I got there, I think we did just, just miss each other.
0: It was a, it was a rough time. It was (laughs) was great, but it was, I, yeah, the show that I did was ambitious is what we'll, is what we'll call it. But similarly, yeah.
1: Was the second one, um.
0: URL versus IRL.
1: Oh, right, 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 Okay. We did a
0: half a site specific play and then half a like very projection heavy, (laughs) um, situation so it was yeah it was a lot but yeah I feel the same way like very much they were just like we trust you to do what you came here to do you know
1: such ambitious projects too they're real it's really like no we're not doing you know a TYA Cinderella we're doing this crazy half site specific half uh project like that's awesome I just love that it's it's just like let's go for it let's make work that everyone will be excited by
0: yeah I found it very personally like Inspiring to bring that into other aspects of my artistic practice and of my career to just like, you know, go for it and whatever happens, happens, and it's about the process.
1: Right. Yeah. Yeah. Explore and allow room for discovery. I think it's so easy to go into a process with a lot of answers. And I know my anxious sort of brain a lot of the time is wanting answers, but that this company, I think, provides so much space for discovery. And that is the real gift to any artist, to say, here's, here's the time and resources, and now play, and now discover.
0: Well, thank you so much for chatting with me about Social Mirror and about Andes. I appreciate you taking the time. Thank you so much for listening to Eye to Eye, the digital renaissance podcast. Theme music is by Dylan Gladhorn, artwork by Raven Bartlett, production and editing by me. See you next week for another dose of Andy's magic.